your God will drive out those nations before you little by little you will be unable to destroy them all at once I think this is so important I think for so many of us this reality that God does things slowly sometimes really bothers us see certain things God can change in an instant and other things it takes a lifetime of God doing something slowly When we're in the midst of a difficult situation, we want God to act quickly. Even when there's potential for positivity, God's timing never matches what we think it should be. Pastor Daniel today reminds us that God is all about the process. Whereas we're focused on the outcome, God can see far beyond what we can and therefore has a much better timeline for bringing about the best outcome. God will work, but we need to be patient. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message, Chosen for Blessing. God wants to transform the world, and I feel like Satan's got this world in a sleeper hold. And we need to start to take seriously the things God takes seriously. So brothers and sisters, listen, don't play around with this stuff. Deal ruthlessly with it. He says, man, when you go in, you wipe all that stuff out. Get rid of all of it. Let not one trace be left of it because it'll be a temptation. Now, I love this because in verse six, he begins to tell them who they are. See, he was just telling them what to do. Now he tells them who they are. Look what it says. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the other people, but because you were the least of all. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." Do you hear what he's saying to him? He's saying, you're a holy people. That word means set apart. It means distinct. It means other. All through the book of Leviticus, you keep hearing over again, be holy as the Lord your God is holy. He's like, look, you're a holy people. You are set apart. You're not like everybody else. You're distinct. I love this. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself A special treasure. You're God's treasure. Do you ever have something that's your own little treasure? Do you ever have that thing that it's like every time you see it, you're like, oh, you know? It just gets you super excited. You know, it's funny. um, Ben, who's on our staff, a phenomenal graphic designer, is playing guitar. It's a beautiful guitar. And so I see this guitar. I'm like, bro, that's a nice guitar. And he's telling me, look at this. It's got this, all these switches on it. And, so, and we were like nerding out, like guitar, you know, musician style. It's like his little special treasure. You know, after he's done playing, he's going to go back. He's going to wipe it down. He's going to make it nice, put it in the case, you know, and pull it out the next day. Like, you all know what it's like, right? Pastor Cecil does it with classic cars, Right? <laughs> 
I remember my first car was a 1974 orange Carmen Ghia. Ooh, yeah, that's my classic car, right? A little VW Carmen Ghia, you know? And I remember, it's like I always come out and I'd and it was all so sweet. Until someone bumped into it and the whole quarter panel was dented. But that was a whole other discussion, you know? But it's like, that's how God sees you. It's like, you're his special treasure. Think about when you have a special treasure. Like, when people have babies, I love it, right? It's every time the baby moves, there's a picture of the baby, you know? Because it's their baby. It's the special. Like, the first time the baby poops, you're like Instagramming. Look at the baby's first poop, you know? You know that we do that as parents, right? It's, I was saying, I'm just so happy my kids weren't little with Instagram. You know what I mean? Because of your child. And my friends, that's how God feels about us. He used to tell them, look, you're God's special treasure. But I don't think we think about ourselves as God's special treasure. I don't think we really realize that God loves us so much that he sent his own son to die on a cross so that we could be his. Like God paid the ultimate ransom for us. I mean, think about it. That's how valuable you are to God. That is how God feels about you. That is who you are in Christ, that he loves you so much, he'd give his own son just for you. With all your quirks and hangups and weird stuff that you got. You just imagine the Lord rolling, talking to the angels, like Michael the archangel, like, check him out, look at him go. Look at him do it. Look at him, they're... She's trusting me. She's trusting me. And the angels being like, and you read the book of Ephesians, and we're literally schooling angels. Literally, the church, the people of God, is like a curriculum to angels of the grace and the glory of God, that God could place his treasure on this totally messed up group of people who he's made white as snow. That's who you are, my friends. That's who you are if you are in Christ. You are God's special people, his own child. And he didn't choose the children of Israel. And he didn't choose us because we were the best or the biggest or the brightest. He chose us because we were the least. And I love that about the Lord. Because the Lord gets glory from choosing the base things and the humble things. I don't mean the base like the rock and the base slap and the base things. But God did like, the base is his favorite instrument. You just have to know that. Jesus is a bass player because everybody follows the bass player. That's a, sorry. We were talking about guitars and stuff. When God redeems the humble, he gets all the glory. When God uses a broken person to do something extraordinary, he gets all the glory. I mean, think about David. Remember David when he went on out? He literally was not in, even in the army. He was bringing supplies. His dad, Jesse's like, look, all your brothers are in war right now. They're camped out against the Philistines. They're probably hungry. Can you go bring them some food? And David's like, okay, Dad, I'll go bring them some food. You know? And he shows up, and none of the great warriors want to go fight Goliath. They're all the trained guys. Like, they, this guy's like, hey, I'm a UFC fighter. I'm a this guy. No jujitsu. And I got all this stuff. And they're like, I don't go against Goliath. He's a big dude, you know? And then David shows up, he hears Goliath taunting. He's taunting the armies of the Lord. And David gets upset and his brother's like, go away. Who are you? What do you got? And David goes to King Saul, I want to go take that guy on. And Saul's like, "Uh, (laughs) you better put some armor on. And Saul puts his armor on David and David can't even walk in the armor. It's like my two-year-old Annabelle, she loves to wear me and Lynn's shoes. 
And there's nothing more fun than when a little two-year-old puts on her parents' shoes. You know, it's so awesome. And I just take videos of it because when she wants to go, when some boy wants to come date her, I'm like, you're not dating her first off, but this is what she looks like. I'm ruining my kids one day at a time. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But that's David. He's like walking out in Saul's armor. He's like, I can't wear this. Why do you think God used David to conquer Goliath? Because he was the only guy who's not supposed to be there. He's the one guy who, when it all happens, he can be like, it wasn't me. I'm not even in the army. What am I doing here? Because that's the way the Lord works. I know some of you right now are thinking to yourself, God can't use me. Absolutely he can. Because God does that and that no flesh would glory in his presence. God uses people who don't have it together so that no one can say, oh, that was me. I'm so charismatic. I'm so smart. I'm so strong. God does it so he can say, yeah, I couldn't have done that. Only God can do that. That's the Lord's work. And that's why the Lord set his love upon the children of Israel. And that's why he set his love on us. Not because you're the greatest, smartest, got it all together, best pedigree, straight A's in school. I'm not knocking any of those things. If you're good looking, we're all jealous of you anyway. If you've gotten straight A's in school, we're so proud of you. But realistically, God sets his love on people because God is love. And God wants us to experience his love. And he says, listen, because the Lord made this oath to your fathers, that's why the Lord brought you out. That's why he delivered. And we get this rehearsal again for the millionth time of the deliverance from Egypt. And that you have to realize, the deliverance from Egypt, God's mighty hand and bringing them into the promised land is the defining narrative of the people of God. That you were slaves God delivered you, and he ushered you into a new future. And my friends, that is the defining narrative of the life of the people of God. We were all slaves to sin, much worse taskmaster than Egypt ever was. God delivers us by a mighty hand through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he brings us into a glorious future, which is eternal life, which is knowing Jesus now and having an eternal life in the hereafter. And that should be the defining narrative of your life. But you know what for many of us it is? Just like the children of Israel, the defining narrative of your life is, I'm a slave. I'm a this. I'm an alcoholic. I have a past. I got this issue. I got that issue. We let the defining narrative be that we were slaves, but that's not the biblical defining narrative. The biblical defining narrative is that I used to be that, but God has delivered me by a mighty hand through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and God has a beautiful future for me now and in the hereafter. And it's the whole story, not just part of the story. And I fear that for many of us in the body of Christ, we still see ourselves as sinners who God can love and not as people who God loves who are sinners. We need the whole narrative, not just one act of the narrative. And I believe that for some of you right now, the fact that you're focused on one part of the whole narrative is keeping you from experiencing all that Jesus is. But again, you got to keep telling yourself this stuff over and over again until you start to believe it, because that is who we are. And the Lord really says to him, listen, and I know what I love about the Lord. Look what it says in verses 9, 10, and 11. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy 
for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with them who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep his commandment, his statutes, and his judgments, which I command you today to observe them. Now, I believe this is why people don't like God. Because God isn't two-faced. God isn't, I don't like you, but hey, I love you. We're best friends, you know, like, come on, you know. God's straight up. And when God doesn't like something, everybody knows it. Because God isn't like, yeah, yeah, it's great to see you. I really don't like that person. He's honest. God's real. And you know what God likes and what God doesn't like. And that's why people struggle with the Lord, because it's very specific with God. You could say, yeah, that God doesn't like that. That doesn't please God. And in a lot of ways, we kind of want God to be kind of like fake. We want God to be like, oh, yeah, it's all great. That's really terrible. It's going to kill you, but have a blast. And that's not who the Lord is. You know, that reminder, he does it to their face, which means he's not, God's not hiding about what's going on. He's very, very clear on what he wants and what he doesn't want. And the blessings come from loving God and being obedient to God's will. And the issues come when we don't love God and we don't love God, we don't do the things that honor God. Does that make sense? You know, in a lot of ways, it's like, the reasons people don't like God is because God is perfect and they are not. But one of the things I love about the Lord is it's, God gives very clear boundaries. And you know what? For something so important, we need clear boundaries, don't we? We need to know, hey, that, that's bad. Like, that's bad. Like, we do that with, with youngest Annabelle. Annabelle's the classic, you know, like, the last kid you're going to have is the one that makes you lose all your hair, you know? She could stick everything in her mouth in three seconds. And we love it when she drinks cookies or eats cookies, but we don't love it if she grabs bleach and tries to drink it. And when she grabs bleach and she hasn't done that, praise God, yet... You know, we got the bleach, like, high, far away. Because everything else goes in her mouth. You know, it's like quarters, you know, thumbtack. I mean, it's bad. Pray for us, you know. But when she puts something in her mouth that's not good, we stop that. We stop. No, no, no. You know, and she's a little evil one. So when you say no, she runs away so she can still do it, you know. She's completely like all of us, right? That's what we do. And the Lord's like, no, no, you don't want to drink bleach. That's not good for you. Don't eat thumbtacks. That's not good for you. Cookies, have at it, but in moderation. You know, that's how the Lord is. That's who the Lord is. And so he's not hiding about what's right and wrong. It's actually quite clear, isn't it? And I think in your life, as in my life, it's quite clear what God is asking for us. He's asking us to live a certain way, to value certain things. And I think we need to honor that. I think we need to say, okay, We're grateful that God's straight up about it. Now look at what happens in verse 12. It says, Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock and the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. Verse 14, you shall be blessed above all peoples. 
There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Also, you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall not have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw the signs and the wonders, the mighty hands and the outstretched arms by which the Lord your God brought you out, so shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Little by little, you will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, and you will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hands, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire, you shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves. Let us be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you have be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. Now, This passage, verses 12 to 26, it reminds us of the blessings of obedience. And I think there's a few things that I want to point out. First, you notice in verses 12 all the way down to about verse 15, we find that when we are obedient, we will be fruitful. There's this recurring language of fruitfulness and he will love you and bless you and multiply you, verse 13. You will also, he will bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land and your grain and your new wine and your oil and the increase of your cattle. Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear what? Much fruit. So God is interested in fruitfulness and the blessing of obedience is fruitfulness. Now you know, according to the book of Galatians, that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and kindness and all these different things. So God desires your life to be fruitful, and the blessing of obedience is fruitfulness. Next, in verse 17, it says, If you should say in your heart, the nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Now, The problem with verse 17 is a problem that I think we all have, is that sometimes we ask the wrong questions. He says, look, when you look at the nations and you say, how can I dispossess them? You're asking the wrong question because we're not doing anything. He says, I want you to remember what I did. So if all of your questions are human question, how can I do it? You're asking the wrong question. The right question is, what is God doing? 
What has God done in the past? And when you see what God has done in your past, you can trust that God will do that and even more in your future. So don't ask the wrong questions. Because when you, when you ask human questions, you're going to get anxiety. That's what comes out of it. You're going to say, how can this happen? I'm not able to do this. No, it's what has the Lord done? We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And I think that's very, very, very important in this. Now, I want you to also notice in verse 20 and 21 and 22, it talks about how when the Lord is driving the people out, he's going to use things like hornets to get the people who are hiding. And then in verse 22, it says, and the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little you will be unable to destroy them all at once. I think this is so important. Because I think for so many of us, this reality that God does things slowly sometimes really bothers us. See, certain things God can change in an instant, and other things it takes a lifetime of God doing something slowly. One of the things, I like, and I've said it many times, that we love the outcome, but God loves the process. See, In this example, the reason God is not getting rid of all the people right away, he says in the middle of verse 22, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. See, for the children of Israel, if God just got rid of all the people right away, the land would be overrun by beasts that they were unable to contain. And so I want to encourage you on the things that God is doing in your life that takes a while that's kind of slow go, that you're still plugging away at the same stuff after many, many years, don't miss the fact that God is in that too. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God isn't concerned for you. It's that sometimes God realizes if something were to happen in an instant, there would be other ramifications that we don't realize. But God knows. And God's purposes and plans are perfect perfect. And then finally, this chapter ends with a reminder for them to make sure they do not go light on the things that God hates. Now, it's amazing. These verses are strange because literally the Lord is saying, if you come to an altar of a pagan God and it's overlaid with gold, I want you to destroy it instead of keeping it. Now, I don't know about you, but if you went somewhere and there's some big table overlaid with gold, you might think about taking that thing and selling it on eBay, right? Like, that's, like that's what would happen. You're like, this is kind of good, man. I can make some money on this. Pretty good, you know? But again, he's saying, look, because it was used to worship another God, I hate it. It's an abomination. So even though it seems valuable, I want you to destroy it. Because oftentimes, oftentimes, The things that will destroy our lives are bright and shiny, but they're still destructive. So we got this already in the middle of the chapter, but I do think it's so important. Make sure you destroy the things that when they come to full blossom, we're going to destroy you. Jesus is... God's message to the Israelites is applicable to us today. Pastor Daniel shared that God knows what is best for us and is constantly working out our lives ahead of us. What he says for us to do is what's best 
and we can trust him in every detail. We're always talking about New Year's resolutions. What if I told you that Jesus wants us to resolve to follow him as we live upward, inward, and outward, which is the name of my brand new book that explores this God-breathed system for living from the greatest commandment. I can help you break down into easy steps how to live out this reality every single day of this brand new year. Here's Josh with more information about how you can get your own copy. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Well, whether it's those few pounds you put on during Thanksgiving and Christmas or a commitment to be more loving to your family members, it's important that you feed your soul with the nourishment from God's Word. And we want to help you do this. Pastor Daniel's book will help you say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things during this new year. Please visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to secure your copy of Upward, Inward, Outward by Pastor Daniel Fusco. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel again shares the importance of remembering where we've been. For the Israelites, this meant remembering their time in the desert. And for us, it means remembering every time God has been faithful. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, Refresh. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.